Hey there, we're about to start our free training, the 3 p.m. teacher that only happens once a year. Teachers are learning how to consistently leave school prepared and on time without bringing work home so that they can finally be present during precious family time at night and on the weekends. When you attend this free training, you get an hour PD certificate and other bonuses when you show up live. You will learn how to lesson plan faster, how to spend less time on grading, your actual teacher type, and how it's preventing you from really leaving school on time. I can't wait for you to join us so that you can finally have the best school year ever. Hey, I'm Kristen Donegan, and you're listening to Real Teacher Talk. I often say what's on a teacher's mind, and my mission is this. Help busy teachers leave school at three so they can finally enjoy their life outside of the classroom. Why? Because I know how tiring it is to have a never-ending checklist as a teacher and miss out on being fully present at home. On Real Teacher Talk, discover how to work smarter, not harder, enjoy teaching again, and still have plenty of time to shut off your brain outside of the classroom to do the things you love. Sound impossible? I promise it isn't. Hey everyone, welcome back to Real Teacher Talk. I'm so excited today because I have one of my, I guess, what would you say, like long lost friends from New York is probably the last time I saw you. We've got Michelle Emerson here from Pocket Full of Primary. Hey, Michelle. Hi, thank you so much for having me. So good. Last time I think we probably saw each other, right? Were we in New York co-authoring a book with some other teachers? Was that it? Yeah, we did that. Um, (laughs) I don't think we've... Seems like a lifetime ago. (laughs) Yeah, because then the world shut down and I don't think we've seen each other since then. No, I think we've all just still been in our houses. I mean, (laughs) so yeah, that does, that seems like forever ago. It does. And I think back to it and I'm like, wow, I was a little baby back then and I knew nothing. And (laughs) how I got invited, I I have no idea. Well, because you're writing a book now, right? Yeah, I submitted my draft manuscript and now it's in like the editing process. So who would have thought? (laughs) Not after that experience. That's so exciting though. Congratulations. Well, if you guys don't know Michelle, she taught second grade and fourth grade for seven years. And now she's lucky enough. She gets to support teachers all around the world by creating digital teacher resources. She has a really great uh, YouTube channel producing educational videos. I know so many teachers inside our program, Easy Organization Tools, were like, Michelle's the one to go to for all things Google. And then she also has a podcast, Teaching to the Top. Michelle believes that all teachers should feel empowered by the profession instead of overwhelmed and seeks to help educators create a work-life balance through tips and strategies. So Michelle, this is like the perfect place for you. Yeah, I was going to say, we're very aligned. This is great. (laughs) Yes, I love it. Well, today, let's chat about five tips to start the school year organized because I know so many teachers are either already back or are heading back and are feeling probably more overwhelmed than normal. And then just kind of like, where do I even start? I'm already tired. And the year hasn't even started, right? Are you noticing that too with the teachers you're working with? 
Yeah. I mean, just the whole realm of education has changed so much. And I think there's this compounding exhaustion from year to year ever since, you know, the C word happened. I don't even like to say it anymore, but I think teachers more than ever are just, they want to do certain things for their classroom, but they just don't have like the mental or physical energy to do it. Completely drained, like all the the decisions. I get it. It's like pandemic fatigue, it's parenting fatigue, teaching, because teaching, you know, pre-pandemic, I taught for 13 years was hard enough as it is. So I can't even imagine adding all of this on top of it. And I think when it comes to organizing, a lot of people think of it just with physical materials. And that obviously is a component. But there's also the aspect of organizing all of your to-dos and your tasks and just your time in general that can really help you kind of reduce that overwhelm. Because don't you think we've talked a lot about this inside our program, but the overwhelm is from like not knowing where to start, like having all these thoughts in your head. And then it's like you have that fatigue, like the paralysis of even starting. Yeah, I think that's a big component. And then also feeling like you don't want to get started because your list is so long that you're like, but I'm never going to finish it. And then you're just not motivated to get any of it done because you're like, what does it even matter? I feel that way as a mom (laughs) with with all the laundry and all the things around the house. So I get that. So what would you say? I know you've got some five five tips that you want to share with teachers. Where would you start? So for me, tip number one is to use checklists because as we mentioned, back to school is a super stressful time. And so having a checklist to kind of guide, like you mentioned, having that next step really helps to reduce that mental fatigue. And I think it helps prevent things from falling through the cracks because there's so much going on and we're bouncing from one thing to another, it's really easy to say, oh yeah, I need to get this done. And then you completely forget. So when it comes to checklists, I like to think of them as two categories. You have your ongoing checklist. That would be like your to-do list. And then you also have your recurring checklist. So those things that happen again and again, whether it's every week, every month, every year. So What I love about creating checklists is it's something you can do in real time. It doesn't have to be like an extra task on your to-do list, right? It's something you can do as you go. So when we're looking at back to school, as you start preparing all of those different things for the beginning of the year, write them down, like create a checklist. That way next year, it will be that much easier for you. And I really like to group my like beginning of the year checklist into things with student names and then things without student names, right? Because we're always like just waiting, like just give me my class list. (laughs) And then it changes anyway. So. (laughs) Oh yeah, of course. And so it's nice to have those just kind of separated, but also having a list of all the routines and procedures you have to teach, having a list of go-to activities, which I'm actually going to come back to in one of my other tips, having a list of questions to ask if you're at a new school or in a new grade level, having those prepared will make your life that much easier the next year. That's so true. I always pull out my plan book from year year to year when I plan for the first week and it just makes life so much easier. Yeah. So when it comes to storing it, I think having it in your planner is great. But then also using something as simple as a Google Doc, you can now add like clickable checkboxes, which is perfect for creating checklists. And then Google Keep is another tool I really like. It's connected to your Google account. So you can actually access it in the little sidebar on Google Drive or Gmail or within like Google Slides. And what's great about Google Keep is when you create that checklist, you can then uncheck all of the boxes in one click. So you're able to like reset it for the next time you're going to use it. I've seen you talk about it. I still have not played with it yet. Why would you choose that over maybe like the notes app on your phone? 
Well, because again, Google Keep allows you to uncheck them all at one time. For something like a beginning of the year checklist, that's not as important because you're only using it once a year. But when that checklist is lengthy and you have to go back and uncheck all of them, you're like, I have better things to be doing with my time. And I just love, again, that it's able to be right there within my computer because at school, I didn't have a Mac. I had you know, a PC. So I didn't have access to the notes app like on my computer unless I went into iCloud and that was just too much. But I use Google all the time. So being able to open up Google Keep right on the side is perfect. And if you have an Apple Watch, you can actually access it on there as well, which is awesome. Like if you have a morning checklist and you're walking around your classroom, you can just check it off on your watch. I love it. All right. You've convinced me. (laughs) I will play around with that. So using checklists, what else would you say? So number two, I would say use this time to gather all of your templates. This is a way to kind of spend time in order to save time. Spend a little bit of time gathering all the templates. Notice I didn't say creating them all from scratch. You don't have to create more work for yourself. Find ready-made templates on TPT or from other teachers in your school. But by gathering them all at the beginning of the year, it's going to make your life so much easier later on. So this could be things as simple as a bathroom sign-out sheet. I always had to keep track of my students going to and from my room. And that was something I was constantly printing out throughout the year. So having that ready-to-go template was great. Having things for Google Slides or your subplan templates or your sub binder, having like basic student checklists that you can, you know, print out and clip to a stack of papers or use for field trips. Even things as simple as like quizzes and exit tickets. I always like to keep the format pretty much the same. That way my students knew what to expect and it was easier for me to create. So having a template for those would make it so much easier later on when I needed to create those. I love it. And where would you store all of those? So again, I'm team Google. I loved to have either one Google Drive folder full of all my templates because a template is only as good as your ability to use it. And if you forget you have it, it's not doing you any good. So putting them all in one single folder or utilizing the start section on Google Drive. So if you start all of your templates, then when you're ready to create something, you can just go in, make a copy of it, and you're good to go. How about tip number three? Yeah. So number three would be utilizing low prep activities. We all know at the beginning of the year, we have to plan way more than we think we need because there are activities that you think are going to take an hour and your students are done in 10 minutes. And you're like, oh no, what am I doing now? So having a bunch of activities is great, but you don't want to feel like you're wasting them if you don't get to them. So having those really easy low prep activities is great. I like to think about it in kind of four different categories. You have your community building activities. So those things you're going to do with your whole class, like read alouds. I actually have a set of free activities that go with five like really popular read aloud books for back to school and they're all very low prep, but also things like creating the longest chain. Basically, you give a group of students one piece of paper and they have a pair of scissors and they have to create the longest chain possible. And so they have to work together in order to figure out how to do that. Here's how, if you need to help anyone, if they cut the pieces really, really thin, their chain will end up being longer because there's the teams that try to cut real chunky pieces and you're like, no, 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 that's not going to (laughs) work. And then you have your get to know you activities. So these are just the simple ways for students to learn about each other and then for you to learn about them. So I love games like Would You Rather. All you need is a set of slides or, or a list to reference and having your students choose, but also doing like interest surveys. I always really like to do these through like Google Forms. That way I didn't have to prep any copies and I would actually create them for like each subject area. And it was really easy to use a template and then duplicate it. Then you have your quiet independent activities. So those moments 
periods where you just need to breathe and you're like, I need you at your desk occupied. So I love doing like directed drawings. There's tons of YouTube videos with those that are all free. Having them create collages on their notebooks is great or an activity like pass a story where you give them like a minute or two to write and then they have to pass their paper to the next person and they just continue on the story. Like you can keep that going forever. It's great. And then finally, those quick fill-in activities. So when you have five or 10 minutes and you're like, I just need to do something with them, but I need it to be easy. I really like the game 21. Basically, students will take turns counting and on each turn, they can count either one, two or three numbers. So the first student might say one, the next student might say two, three, four, the next student might say five, six, whoever ends up on the number 21 is out. So they get real strategic with it and you don't need anything, which is great. And then I also love the game critic. Basically, you have a student turn their back. You choose three students that are going to go up to the board and they're going to draw something. So maybe draw your best school bus. The critic has their back turned. So they don't know who's drawing each one. Once they're done, they go and sit back down and the critic chooses the best one. And it's unbiased because they don't know who did each one. And then that student gets to become the next critic. So that's that's also great for like indoor recess. So having a checklist of all of these and even categorizing them by those four is great because then when you're like, oh, I have five minutes, what can I do? You know exactly where to go and kind of reference those ideas. I love that. I love that, especially for back to school time, because I know sometimes teachers want to do big elaborate crafts or things where you're needing lots of materials. I have been there. I have done that. And I, for me, would not recommend that first day. Just, you know, especially like with your younger students, there's so many routines and things you got to go over. So keep it simple in the beginning until your students start knowing your routines and how the classroom works and how to use scissors. And otherwise you'll be like me just sitting there like deep breaths, like it's going to be okay. And wondering why I chose that in the first place. Yeah. And I would always plan all these elaborate activities, not have time to get to them. So I would hold on to the copies and I would tell myself, Michelle, you're going to use these next year. I never did because I'd forget about them and then they'd be all faded. And I'm like, I can't use these anymore. So I like having those really easy go-to activities that you're not going to waste materials if you don't get to them. Or time. I love that. Exactly. (laughs) What about uh, step four? So number four is to start with less and add more. This is more of a reminder to ourselves. I think sometimes going back to, we feel the need to have everything be elaborate and everything has to be a big hoot nanny. But by starting with less and adding more, it's really going to reduce your stress. And I also think it reduces those feelings of guilt because sometimes we feel guilty because we see what other teachers are doing. And so this is something I would literally just reiterate to myself. It's like, Michelle, you can always add more later. Like This is not the final. You can always add more. And I also think it's easier to add more than it is to take away. It's like when you're making pancakes and you add too much water. So then you have to add more mix. And before you know it, you have enough pancakes for a family of like 50. And you're like, oh, right? That's me. <laughs> That's me every time. <laughs> So this applies to so many different areas. First of all, like your classroom decor. We all know some classrooms can be a little too overstimulating because there's too much decorations up. So instead, letting your students create some of the posters, like if you're going to display an alphabet, assign each student a letter to create. If you're going to create classroom rules, let them design the posters for it. It's less for you to do. It gives you activities for that first or second week, and it allows you to kind of build your classroom with them and they have that ownership over it. I know you do like the memory book displays. I think that's perfect for it. It's something you can build as you go. And it's not like this daunting task at the beginning of the year. It gives ownership. I love anything that gives students ownership and and more responsibility and takes a little bit off my plate too. 
Yeah, it's win-win. And I think this idea of starting with less and adding more also applies to our commitments. I always tell myself, whenever I say yes to something, I'm saying no to something else. So if I say yes to coaching an after-school team, I'm saying no to maybe spending more time with my husband or going to the gym after school. So instead, by starting with less commitments, I think it's always easier to add them on later. Like They're always looking for volunteers for committees. Like that will not be a problem. It's sometimes easier to turn a no into a yes than it is the other way around. Like once you've committed, it can be difficult to get out of that. And then this also applies to like your lessons. Start with the basics and then make it fancier as you go. So this is something I would literally at the beginning of the year write on a sticky note and stick on my computer. So when I had those moments where I felt like I had to kind of live up to what I saw everyone else doing, I would remind myself like you can add more later. It's okay. See, I'm so grateful and thankful that I started teaching in 2005. That was like, all we had was MySpace. Okay. So there was no sharing things out. I can't imagine being a newer teacher starting now and just seeing how much is out there. Like it, it's so great, but then it's also, I feel like would probably be pretty overwhelming. And it's so easy to compare yourself with social media. Yeah. I mean, there's positives and negatives because I'm sure back before social media it was also harder to find ideas, right? You had to actually talk to teachers, which that collaboration is great, but sometimes it's not the most convenient when it's 11 p.m. and you're trying to find a lesson for the next day, right? Well, yeah, this is pre like email, like email wasn't as common then either. So <laughs> can you imagine? Oh my gosh. So there's, there's good things and bad things either way. It's just, it's, I think it goes back to like your mindset and who you know you are as a person and as a teacher, and then just sticking to that and kind of sometimes drowning out all the other extra stuff. Yeah. I feel like I think back to when I was in middle school and high school and you felt like you had to dress the way everyone else was dressing. And at the time, it seemed so important. Now that I've gotten older, I'm like, I like my style. Like, I don't feel the need to fit in with what other people are wearing. And I think eventually it's like our teaching mentality kind of gets there too. But there is this gap of time where it just, you need that maturity and that experience to be able to realize what's actually important and what's not. Mm -hmm. Totally relate to that. What would you say your last tip would be to help teachers get organized going back to school? So the last tip is to think ahead. And of course, this is like easier said than done, but a lot of organization is all about being proactive. So putting in time and energy now in order to make it easier later on. At the beginning of the year, we are very overwhelmed and we're very exhausted. However, we also do have almost like this surplus of energy, like our batteries are recharged versus the springtime because we've had that summer to kind of reconnect. And we also get into these like productivity flows where we start doing things and it just kind of snowballs and we feel really good. So we keep doing things. Try to maximize that as much as you can. So a few ideas of things you can get done at the beginning of the year would be prepping new student kits. So when you're printing off all of those handouts and printables that you send home with students at the beginning of the year, print some extra copies, stick them in like a gallon baggie. That way, when you get a new student, you already have it ready to go and you're not scrambling to make those copies. And again, have a checklist of all of those routines you have to teach them, all the different you know usernames and passwords you have to get them. It makes it that much easier. I also loved to prep all of my birthday treats at the beginning of the year because there is no worse feeling than a student walking in. They're like, it's my birthday. And you're like, oh no. <laughs> totally. Yep. 
So use that time, batch it, get them all done at one time. And then I always love to have a filing cabinet to kind of keep ideas for future months because I might find an activity that I want to use in November. It's not applicable to me at the beginning of the year, but by the time November rolls around, I've completely forgotten about it. So I really like this system called the 43 folder system. Basically within a file drawer, you have 43 folders. 12 of them are dedicated to the months. So you have January through December. The last 31 folders are labeled for the maximum number of days in the month, right? The most number of days would be 31. So you have a folder one, two, three, four, all the way to 31. That way, when you find an activity for a future month, you can stick it in that month folder. And if you have copies made for maybe later on in the month, you can stick them in that day folder. So when you get to that day, you have everything that you need. And then things like when you're grading, if you write something as simple as writing the total number of points that assignment is going to be on the paper before you make copies, it's that much easier when you grade. You don't have to write slash 10 because... I swear we're twins. <laughs> Did you do that too? It's the best. It's so simple, but it it truly does save you time. Or even I started when I taught reading, I would print the rubric right on the paper. And then that way I didn't have to like cut and staple. It was already there. I did the same thing pre-TPT days back with like Microsoft Word. But yes, I did the same thing. I love that. What inspired you to get organized for going back to school? Well, I'm that person that has been organized since I was a little kid. Like I've just always been fascinated with organization. I think it's just part of my personality, but I've also been that person that has 10 million things going on. And I remember when I first started teaching, I was also training for a marathon. So I was dedicating my weekends to these really long runs. And after school to these runs, I didn't have a bunch of extra time. So I really had to find ways to maximize my time and be able to be as efficient as possible. And I think it comes down to your why at the end of the day. A lot of people say, well, I want to be productive, but that's not your why. That's just your means. Like That's your way of getting to your why. So what is your true why? And for me, I like to be able to have these other hobbies. I'm, I'm passionate about fitness just as much as teaching. And so being able to be organized allows me to kind of have the best of both worlds. Totally. I love that. Well, thanks for being here today. Before we end, I wanted to play a quick game that we just started playing with some of our guests where I'm going to give you a word. And I'd love to hear like your just quick first top of mind thing when you think of it. Okay. I'm nervous. <laughs> Don't be. It'll be, it'll be fine. It'll be good. Professional development. Boring. <laughs> I'm sorry, but that's where my mind goes. I think a lot of PD is not applicable. Like it's good information, but it's not administered in a way where the attendees are able to immediately take that back and start using it. And so for me, a lot of PD is boring because I'm like, well, when I leave here, I'm going to have to figure out how to implement it. And I would just end up kind of checking out. So totally get it. <laughs> um, puppies. Oh, cute. Puppy's cute. I I have a she, she's still kind of a puppy. She's like one year old, but I literally 10 times a day, I'm just like, you're so adorable. Like, I don't even know what to do with you. <laughs> I love following you on Instagram, seeing her. What about rude people? Unnecessary. A million percent agree. Uh, wet shoelaces. Ew. <laughs> I mean, that's that's my <laughs> yeah. I got flashbacks to tying kids' shoes, and you're like, why is this wet? Because we haven't been outside yet. Why is this wet? <laughs> See, I remember my my first supervising teacher when I uh, taught first grade, she's like, never tie a shoelace. She's like, that's the best advice I could give you. So I never did. You'd have other kids do it? Yes, I did. But then I'd see all the other teachers tie and I'm like, wow, I guess I'm being such a jerk for that. But that, that's something that stuck with me. All right. And then the last one, chocolate ice cream. 
Yum. I pictured it mixed with vanilla. I like like the twist cones where you get a little bit of both. So that's what I pictured. Ice cream is so good. So good. Well, thanks, Michelle. She shared five tips to help you get organized back to school. Quick recap. Number one, use checklists. Two, gather templates. Three, utilize low prep activities. Four, start with less and add more. And five, think ahead meaning be proactive and get things done in advance. Michelle, where can our listeners find you if they want to get some more tips? So my handle is Pocketful Primary pretty much everywhere. It's Pocketful with one L. A lot of people put two L's, but that's on Instagram. My YouTube channel is under Pocketful Primary. And then I do also have a podcast with my best friend, Bridget, called Teaching to the Top. Awesome. And we will link everything below for you all so you guys can easily access it. But again, Michelle, thanks so much for being here. And everyone else, thank you for listening. Make sure you go take some time for yourself today, whether it be a walk around the block, quiet time reading a book. You deserve it. You work so hard. Thanks, everyone. Thanks for listening to this week's episode of Real Teacher Talk. I know how difficult it can be to balance teaching and home life, so if you are looking for additional support, I encourage you to head on over to easyteachingtools.com and get on our email list. You will receive our latest organization tips, classroom management strategies, engaging lessons, and even some freebies. Sign up at easyteachingtools.com forward slash 3pm podcast. Thanks so much for listening.